Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus and transform Hoxton. Thank you so much, Demi. Let us pray together, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sunshine. We thank you that your spirit is with us now. And Lord, we pray that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our hands to receive what it is that you want to say to us this morning. I pray that as I speak, you would speak through me as your vessel, pushing my flesh aside and allowing your spirit to do all the work. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, church. Oh, I didn't expect a response. Every church I've been to, they never, they never respond. That's great. Um, it is such a privilege to be here. Thank you so much, Graham, for um, giving me this opportunity to talk. I've been learning a lot about inner city parish ministry. Um, although it wasn't my first choice to come here. It, my first choice was Toronto. And something called COVID happened, but, you know, it's okay. This is the second best, best place. Hoxton, where else would I rather be? So today we come to the end of our series looking at Jesus's Sermon on the Mount and he's coming into land in the in this passage. In the first part of the passage we see Christ warning his listeners to be aware of outward appearances that there are true and false prophets, there are true and false disciples. The one that looks like the ideal Christian because they are prophesying or casting out demons or performing miracles doesn't always mean that the kingdom of heaven is their end. And this is a hard truth for people to hear. But all throughout his sermon, Christ has been saying countercultural things. He says, blessed is the one who mourns for they shall be comforted. He speaks concerning about how to pray, how to do justice, how to love. And I think Christ here wants us to look at ourselves and check our relationship with him. Have we become so preoccupied with the things of God that we are not really with him? And that can be easy to do. Then we come to Jesus' conclusion and he's wrapping it up here in verses 24 to 27. So if you don't hear anything that Jesus has said in the Sermon on the Mount, pay attention to his last concluding words. In verse 24, Christ says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 18 that the Lord is my rock. So when we talk about rock, we are talking about Christ, building your life on Christ, who is a firm foundation. And hopefully we all want to be like the wise man in in this passage, doing as Christ has said. But Christ says that we first must hear and then do. And that sounds pretty simple hear and do it it's easy just as God does throughout the whole of scripture he hears and he does in Exodus chapter 3 God hears the cry of his people and then comes down to rescue them 
But way too often we come to church on a Sunday and we hear, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying, but we go and do nothing. And as James writes, we deceive ourselves if we only hear without doing. I wonder how often you are hearing the word of God in your lives. Because that is the extent, the extent to which you hear is the extent to which you can do. Is it just on Sundays that you're hearing the word? Is it two or three times a week? Is it daily or are you meditating on the word day and night? Because if I am just hearing God's word once a week for less than an hour on a Sunday, I cannot truly say that I am building my whole life on the rock that is Christ. There is no room to build on rock and sand. It's either or. Remember that scripture only ever offers us two options. We either obey or disobey. We either choose life or choose death. We choose to be hot or to be cold, to either serve God or something else, either satisfy our flesh or walk in the spirit. And here in this passage, we can choose to be wise or to be foolish, building on rock or sand, Christ or flesh. There is no space for both. And for many of us, that is scary. And that's okay, it's, that's normal. It's a big decision to make Christ your foundation. Because when you do, it changes the rest of your life. The idea that God wants all of us, like he wants every part of you, the part that others don't see. He wants the whole of your lives, every relationship that you have the whole of your jobs, the whole of your dreams, and all of your plans. He wants it all. Because he wants to guide you in all of them. He knows where best you will thrive. He knows what you need and says that he will give you just that. If only you would let him. If only you would surrender and say, okay, God, have your way. But to say, have your way, your will be done, not mine, O oh Lord, is a pretty big deal, especially when he tells you to do something you are not wanting to do. And so sometimes we end up saying to God, okay, you can have your way until I say that's enough and I no longer want yours but my own. We must recognize that surrendering to God and building your life on him is a continuous process. And I can only say that I am trying very hard to build my life on Christ as my rock and foundation. The, most, the question that I get asked very, most often is, why do you want to become a vicar? Why do you want? Um, and so I start thinking, yeah, why would I want to listen to a whole bunch of people come and tell me their deepest, darkest secrets? Why would I want to attend a whole bunch of meetings? And why would I try, want to try and lead a people who I know I'm going to disappoint and let, let down and then have to listen to their moaning? Like, why would I want to do that? And the simple truth is I didn't want any of it. That was not my will. That was not my plan. But when you pray, not my will, but yours be done, Lord, you better expect him to do as he wishes. 
So I try to build on Christ, putting him first, finding out what pleases him and doing just that, as Ephesians tells us. If I say that I am living for Christ, that I am sold out for him, there must be fruit to show that, right? So rather than living in this world and doing what my flesh wants me to do, I decide to surrender to God, for he is my maker. He knows the good plans that he has for me. And so I let him direct my path to go where he wants me to go, knowing that if he has taken me there, then for sure he has to equip me all the way. And it's only when I am doing that, when I am walking in spirit, that I can truly live my best life. If I say I am building my life on the rock, then that means God gets a say in every part of my life, in my relationships, in my job, in my finances, in my tomorrow, every part of it. And so if he doesn't get a say, if I just go and do what I please, what I wish, without first consulting him and hearing his thoughts on a matter, then I deceive myself and I am actually building on sand my flesh, the things that I see, the things that are temporary. And eventually, the storms of life will come and I will fall apart because my foundation was upon something other than Christ. I wonder if you are sold out for God. I wonder if God told you to leave that relationship, would you do it? If he told you to change careers, would you do it? If he told you to start giving to church consistently, would you do it? If he told you to trust him with the thing that you've been stressing about, would you do it? One of the most recent examples of a man being totally sold out for Christ is a a man I met on a Zoom lecture, the wonders of Zoom. His name, Simon Gillib... I knew I was not going to be able to pronounce this. Simon Gilliba, I think. Um, He gave his life to Christ when he was a teenager. And as he got older, he was like really passionate about God and was like, yeah, God, I want to do what you want me to do in this life. Whatever it is, I will do it. And eventually God spoke to him and said, I want you to go and move to Burundi. This was in 1999. And at this time, Burundi was one of the most dangerous places in the world and one of the most poorest countries. And so he was there, he moved with his whole family, I think a wife and three kids, and he was living in danger of death on a daily basis, all because Christ told him to. And so he is spreading the gospel and doing great missionary work out there still today. And he is one amongst many other others who choose to build their life on Christ. Meaning God's will be done, not their own. It means serving God in spite of how we feel today or tomorrow. God wants to give all of himself to us. He wants us to build on him for he knows that he is a firm foundation. He knows how stable he is and how unstable we can be. He knows that the storms of life will come. They will hit us, but he wants us to be prepared. 
He wants us to be strong in order that we can withstand anything that comes our way. So how much of God do you want? I think we can see how much of God we want based on how much of our lives are built on him. How much of God do we want? To build on the rock which is Christ is to say that in marriage or in singleness, God, I will build on you. In thrive in ministry or die in ministry, I will still build on you. That in sickness and in health, God, I will still build on you. That whether my dreams become a reality or not, Lord, I will still choose to build on you. And that is a radical choice. And people may think you are not okay to make such a decision. But I always go back to the quote from Billy Graham. He said, I have never known a man who received Christ and ever regretted it. I have never known a man who received Christ and ever regretted it. How amazing is that? A decision that millions have made to turn to Christ and no one regrets it. But it's only when you decide and actually give God a go and stick with him that you see how great that decision was. To make this decision to build on Christ doesn't mean that it will always be easy or exciting or fulfilling, but it means that we are sold out for him on the good and the bad days, on the sunny and the stormy days, that we are sold out for him and he remains our rock. So as we build our lives on Christ, the implication is that people will see you and ask you, why Why do you do that? You are different. There is something about you. When you walk into the room, the joy that fills the room when you are here is, is weird. Like, what is it about you? And that is your chance to point to Christ, to tell people how you are living and building your life on him. First Peter chapter three, verse 15 says that we should always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So the Bible is expecting people to ask followers of Christ, why do you follow Christ? Why do you have hope in Jesus? Why do you build on him? I wonder how evident it is that you are building your life on Christ the rock. What do people see when they see you? The biggest compliment I have ever received was a few years ago when I was in Belgium on a ministry experience scheme while I was discerning what God wanted me to do with my life. I was doing similar things to what I am doing here, but over 10 months, and I had just finished preaching or leading a service, I can't remember, and I was doing prayer ministry, um, and a lady walked up to me with tears in her eyes and asked me to pray for her and said, I just want what you have. I want the joy that is in you. I want what you have. How beautiful is it for someone to see you and say, I want that, but it's not anything materialistic. It's Christ. I also bumped into two people in Shoreditch Park when I first arrived here. 
only three weeks ago. And they were lost and I was pretty lost and I couldn't help them, but we ended up talking. And by the end, they said, there is something about you, like, I don't know, what is it? There is something about you. And all I can say is that is God. It's the person you are not seeing who lives inside of me. What can we be doing to reflect Christ more? It is a really big prayer of mine that when people hear or see or are just with me, that God would be heard and seen and felt. And the more I build on Christ, the more I see that prayer manifest, the more I give answers for the reason I have hope. I've had some very strange conversations and I've had some very random, lovely people come and tell me their deep, deep secrets and I would not ask. They just let it out. And usually halfway through, they would say, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I'm going to continue and that's fine. Um, And I smile and say, that is God. You're telling me because of God. It's the person you are not seeing who lives inside of me, who I've built my life on. God in me allows you to be free to speak whatever's on your mind. My favorite quote comes from Marianne Williamson. And I'll just read part of it. I think towards the end, it says that as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence just being automatically liberates others. I just love that. And I don't know if that woman is a Christian, but the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Only God can love perfectly for God is love. So in God, I am totally free. And when I am in a place, being my free self in Christ, that allows other people to experience the freedom of Christ too. Even though they may sometimes not know what's going on or why they tell me certain things. So how can we reflect more of Christ? How evident is it that you are building your life on him? Maybe before COVID, you could confidently say that Christ was your rock that you were building your life on. But with the pain and the change of COVID, your relationship with God has not been the same. This morning, God is calling you back to himself to make that choice, to start again and build on a rock, to be as the wise man. If you are consistent in coming on Sundays, but no one is really seeing the fruit of Christ in you, perhaps it's time to do the next thing and join a connect group or a prayer triplet and allow God to pour more of himself into you because he really, really wants to. He wants you to delight in him. He wants to delight in you. He wants to use you as a vessel for his glory but he will only do so if you choose to let him and surrender. It is the extent to which you are all in that he uses you. 
Church Father Augustine said that God gives where he finds empty hands. These empty hands indicate a posture of surrender. So let's be willing to allow our feet to be placed firmly on the rock of Christ and allow God to take control of our lives. He is looking for wineskins. He is looking for vessels to pour into. He is looking for those who are willing. And it doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. It doesn't mean that you're not scared. But it does mean that you are willing to give it a go. To surrender and to see what he does. God does not want us to go only halfway with him to build on a bit of sand and a bit of rock, to live a little his way and a little ours. He wants you to be totally sold out for him. That is a radical choice to say, I am going to do the will of God no matter how it makes me feel. But the thing is, we don't like to deny our flesh. You know, Paul says in the New Testament that, we are constantly waging war, that the spirit and, and, the, and the flesh are constantly waging war. We don't naturally like to give up our control and let go. And yet, that is what building your life on Christ looks like. That we are to be ready to move in haste when God says go. Let us run the race with endurance. On the rock of Christ, you can be sure that you are building a firm foundation. Scripture tells us that God does not grow weary or tired. And COVID has left many people feeling weary and tired, but God wants to strengthen you. Isaiah chapter 40, that even the youth will grow weary and tired, but he wants to relieve us of that. He wants to revive and replenish us. We only need to let him. And we're not good at letting God have his way. We're not good at sitting still and letting him pour into us. But we must aim to surrender and have the posture of open hands. Because he won't force himself on you. So you have heard God's word this morning. You have heard him say what it means to be as a wise man, that we must hear and then do. It's uncomfortable to do God's will. It's extremely uncomfortable sometimes, but it's a decision that you make that will leave you with no regrets. So I want to encourage you this week to reflect on the fruit that you bear for Christ. Recognizing how evident it is that you are building your life on him. How evident is it that you are building your life on Christ, who is the firm foundation, who is the giver of life. And that radical choice that you choose to make will be the best decision of your life. Amen. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. 
and do check out our website stjohnshoxton.org.uk for more information.